Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Well, uh, welcome today, guys, to Thrive Church. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor here, if you're new with us. And I just want to say quickly, um, if you are new with us, maybe you've been here for a while, and shame on you. We have our First Step 101 um, that we'll have after service today over in our uh, cafe. Our Next Step 201 will be right over here in the lounge. And so if you want to connect with us and kind of kick the tires and find out some more about Thrive Church, um, First Step 101 is a great way to do that. You hear about my story, which is very interesting. You hear the story of uh, both locations and kind of what Thrive is about, our driving values and things like that. If you've been to 101, then guess what? You have a next step, which is 201. Ding, ding, ding. So um, next step 201, you'll get to find out more about how you're created, um, how God has gifted you, and how God has shaped you for ministry. So hopefully today you can take some time after service. We have kids uh, ministry. Uh, check them out, and you'll check them back in uh, during the 101 and 201, and you can spend some time with us. Well, today we're in week four, if you're new with us, in a series called Stay Positive. And as you know, we live in a negative world, don't we? We're surrounded by negativity a lot, um, whether it's on social media, whether it's in our home, or whether it's at our job, we are always surrounded by negativity. Well, in a world surrounded by negativity, we need to be positive people, but not just positive and feel good, but biblically, we need to reflect the attributes that Christians reflect. And so we looked at week one to talking about being, you know, um, and we want being optimistic, right? And you're optimistic about your future and about your life, not based on how you feel, but based on what God's word says. Uh, the, the next week we looked at being grateful. Remember I told you that grateful people are happy. Happy people aren't grateful. If you're grateful, that creates happiness. And last week you heard um, from my good friend Ben Miller about being encouraging, encouraging, encouraging others daily and spiritually and encouraging yourself in the Lord. And today I want to speak to you about being enthusiastic. Say with me, I'm enthusiastic. Can you say that? I'm enthusiastic. All right, I want to kind of delve into that today. Go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word, if you have it, to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 57, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. And I want to submit to you as you turn there, there are two types of people. There are those who let their environments affect their enthusiasm. Do you get that? They let the outside environment affect their enthusiasm. Then there are those who let their enthusiasm affect the environments. So sometimes we let the environment affect our mood, don't we? The things around us, the people around us. And then there's other people who literally walk into a room and change the atmosphere just with their enthusiasm, with their glow, with their smile. Like, man, this person can just light a room up. You ever heard that before? Sadly enough, I want to say that I'm probably more the one who lets things outside of me affect me from time to time. Um, my wife gets to see that, right? And your spouses in the house get to see it. So you just, the spouse gets to see what nobody else sees. There's times it's like, oh, oh, everything's crushing. And, and I let my environments and, um, and things around me affect my mood. There's a guy that um, I, when I get to the YMCA, I go there and work out. And if you go, if you, anybody knows about like going to the gym, I don't go to the gym because it's fun. Does anybody go because it's fun? No. If, if you do, that means you don't know what fun is. <laughs> fun is going and playing games or hanging out. But it's not going to the gym. 
but I go to the gym because I have to. And so anyway, um, every morning when I go play ball at the Shady Grove YMCA, and you can even go have this experience yourself, I'll, I'll get there around 545, and I'll get done about 715 or 730, I walk out from playing basketball, and there's a man named Jack there. Now, everybody else in the gym, have you noticed that everybody in the gym has like mean face? I mean, even the women like, I mean, man, I just like, you know, it's, it's kind of, people are serious, people are mean, people, are, well, you walk in, man, Jack is smiling. He is about six foot four. He's a 63-year-old black man. And Jack came and played a few times with us with basketball. And now every time I walk out of the YMCA, Jack literally will stop me. There are days, can I be honest because he's not here today? Um, there are days I don't walk by him because he's just so happy. <laughs> and there's days I had a bad day on the basketball court. I was like, I don't want to be happy this morning. So, but I walk by and Jack will say, hey, Cam, what's up, man? He said, I bet you were shooting him down today. And he's just, just smiling and laughing and just talking. And, and you're like, hey. And, and there are people all gathered around Jack. He spends about five hours at the YMCA. I think two of it's working out. The rest of it's just hanging out. But people are attracted to him because he's enthusiastic. Like literally in a gym, you're supposed to be, yeah, man, I'm going to get this thing done, get this work done. And then like he's just smiling, having a good time. He's affecting the things around him by his enthusiasm. He affects environments around him by his enthusiasm. See, you and I have a choice. We can be one of two, of two things. You can be a thermometer or a thermostat. A thermometer will tell you what the temperature is. The temperature affects the thermometer, right? Some of you wish it would go up in here. Some of you wish it would go down in here. It depends on what, what, what your heat is. Never ask any of our staff where it should be. It should always be colder to them because they're very hot in hatred. So it reflects what it is. But a thermostat will not only reflect and tell you what the environment is, but if you press that button, what does it do? It changes the environment. Now, we have our sister-in-law living with us, and she's a college student, and so she was like, it's just cold at night. It's just, I said, hey, I said, there's this little box called a thermostat, and guess what you can do? <laughs> if you press this button up, it will make it warmer. If you press it down, it gets colder. You can change the air in your room. The same way you can change environments around you. You can be a thermostat stat or you can be a thermometer and people with the right enthusiasm which we're going to look at are those who actually are thermostats the word enthusiasm we'll look at a couple of passages starting with first corinthians is the word is this watch this it's in theos you get a little greek class here enthusiasm you see that in theos and what does that mean the word theos of course is god it means to be filled with god a god-filled passion that's crazy, right? Like, so every time you see that word, it's not just being happy. When you see the word enthusiasm, some of you are like, man, this feel good, you know, pop culture. No, no, this is biblical. Enthusiasm, you're going to see, is a biblical attribute of followers of Jesus. It means to be filled with God, to be filled with a God passion. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57 in the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church at Corinth in the first century, and he says this, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we could just stop there and go home, right? No, y'all going to stay for the rest of the sermon. That was the wrong answer. But that's the good, that's good news there, man. We, he gives us the victory over sin and death. He says, so 
My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Let me say this. What you're going to learn today about spiritual enthusiasm will make you strong and immovable. Because so many of us are shaky. We're up and we're down. We're like a roller coaster. The way things are around us affects how we, you know, we serve God or what we do for the Lord. I want you to be strong and immovable in your faith. So he says this. Always work, what? Enthusiastically for the Lord. That word, in theos. Always work with a God-filled passion, for you know that nothing you do, how much? Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I just love the fact when he says that. So if you're like in the nursery changing a baby's diaper, God's like, that's not useless. Work with enthusiasm because it's not useless. I'm going to use it. Isn't that an amazing promise from Scripture? And that's why we should be enthusiastic. That's why we should have this in theos in our life. The spiritual enthusiasm because God will use it. Paul goes on to say this, that nothing you do for who? The Lord is ever useless. Who are you doing it for? The Lord. Come on, boys and girls. Who are we doing it for? The Lord. The Lord. My wife, after, you know, the first, everybody does this big blowout for the first birthday party for a kid, right? So the first birthday party was crazy. We had this big circus theme and, you know, he was, Dawson was dressed up as a little conductor and they changed his clothes into a strong man. They had this big cake we made and the cake smashed. I'll just be honest, I, that's way overboard for me. Like my, my wife and I worked for days on this stuff and we got done with it. Guess what we said? Chuck E. Cheese next year. <laughs> right? We're, we can't do this again. This is way too much. Way too much. And so the time comes around, and she says, oh, but I just, oh, I just love him so much. I just want to, uh, and he just loves trucks, and he loves this. And so year number two comes around, and she gets crazy, like these mamas get, right? Mama's crazy. So mama's like, okay. And she begins to plan out this crazy birthday party that took up the whole back of the church. And we had to make everything. Like, guys, isn't there, shouldn't there be a website you could just buy, like, birthday party in a box? We can just, it just, like, shows up and it's done. No, we're cutting out things two days before. We're staying up late. My eyes are bloodshot. Like, literally, I'm like, oh, this is, why are we doing it? This is so much, babe. It's like, babe, we're doing it for Dawson. This is his day. We're so excited for him. Let me tell you something. What we do for the Lord is not for a human child, but it's for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what you do for God, you should have the same enthusiasm in your walk with Jesus that she has. Actually, more than she had for doing a birthday party for a two-year-old, right? You should have a spiritual enthusiasm and in theos because we're not doing it for people. We're doing it for the Lord. And nothing we do for the Lord is whatever useless. He will use it for his kingdom. We should have an in theos. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, so like literally whatever you do, say whatever I do. Whatever. whatever I mean, whatever, anything. Work at it with what? All your heart. But Kevin, I don't really like the job that I have and I just don't want to, nobody else is putting in time and effort and energy, so I'm going to slack too. I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of think this is a command in the Bible, right? I mean, it's not a suggestion. I mean, when, when Paul says, you know, work at it with all your heart, I mean, he's not just saying that if you want to, work at it with all your heart. That word, all your heart, in theos. That's the Greek word, in theos. Work, work 
enthusiastically with everything that you have. As who? Working for who? The Lord and not for human masters. This verse changed my life. Seriously. Like I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, like, you know, for me, again, didn't have 12 steps, all that stuff. I just submerged myself in the word of God. And so every day at lunch, either I would fast or eat, whatever I would do, at, my, at the concrete company that my, my dad was a VP of operations, he gave me the hardest job that he could give me there. I was the lowest man there, right? The worst jobs he could give me. And I remember just being upset one day. I got a shovel, I got to clean stuff, nobody else does stuff. You know how you get in that, that, those attitudes, those moods by other people? The environment was affecting my mood. And I heard Dr. David Jeremiah do a teaching series on this one verse. And it literally changed my life because I realized I was not working at this concrete company with all my heart. I wasn't doing it as for God. I was doing it for me. I was doing it for bosses. I was doing it for people. And when I heard this, I literally changed the way that I viewed work. Do you know the way you work is worship? Don't be coming up in church, I'm going to get my worship on. You didn't worship God all week at work. You weren't thankful at work. Come on, y'all. Whatever you do, do with all your heart. Why? Nobody else is doing it. I don't want to do it. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. I want to encourage you guys. In theos can change the environments that you go in. And when you view your job as given to you by God and you're thankful for it, you have a whole different outlook on life. I mean, think about Paul. He did not let the environments change him. If he was in a synagogue, he talked to the Jews. If he was in the streets, he talked to the Greeks. But if he was in jail, he was like, God, he put me in jail and these people are being so mean and I need to ACLJ to get petitions and no. Nah, man, he began to lead people to Jesus in jail. Paul began to see people come to know the Lord in jail. He began to sing in jail. He changed environments everywhere he went. And for us as Christians, many times we're looking for the right environment to release our Christianity. Well, if I could just work with nothing but Christians, that'd be awesome. Great, you can just salt the salt. <laughs> Spiritual enthusiasm in theos in us can change the environments that we're in. And that's what Paul did. So I want to do this. I want to look today. We talked last week for a few minutes about David. I want to look at the entheos. Say entheos. So you can use this all week and sound really smart to your friends. Um, the entheos of David. The entheos of David in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Um, when you look at this account, you realize that David was a teenager. You've all heard this before in VBS probably. And that the children of Israel, the, the armies of Israel, were encamped for weeks on end against their enemy, the Philistines, who wanted to destroy them. And so they're all in tents, they're hanging out, they're eating, they're not sure what to do. Goliath, who most scholars believe was between eight and nine foot tall, would come out and taunt and curse the children of Israel every day. Who wants some? Come on, one-on-one. -on -one. The thing is, whoever won, the, the, the army won. And so this goes on for weeks, and David's asked to come and just bring some food to the battle. Now you may say, man, I want to fight in the battle. I'm not bringing food to a battle, God. It's, oh, man. No, no, no. David did the small thing, so he brings the food. He sees what's going on. He says, what is this? What is happening here? I want you to look what happens here in, in 1 Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, Goliath, 
You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. It's a lot, actually. (laughs) But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Number one, don't try to do things in your strength. Whatever you're facing, whether it be your job, your marriage, an addiction, you say, man, I'm coming against this thing in the name of the Lord our God and the strength of God. Amen. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you in my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. That's pretty bold. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world, watch this, will know that there's a God in Israel. Where did this enthusiasm come from? I mean, this is borderline arrogant, right? Right, let's be honest, to walk up and like the whole army's been sitting there and you're a boy. You're saying, man, I'm going to come do these things. Uh, Let me share today what we're going to look at is that David did a few things daily to build in theos. He had enthusiasm. He had a spiritual enthusiasm. Being enthusiastic is not being happy. Just having a good mood. It's having enthusiasm and being filled with passion for God. And David did things daily. He did things daily. Let me just share this with you. As I was praying, man, I've just really, just really just, just leaned into prayer yesterday for you guys and this message is that one of the keys to building your spiritual life or anything is consistency. Many of us read David and Goliath. We're like, yeah, I want to be David and Goliath. But you keep leaving the sheep on the backside of the desert because you've had a bad day. Come on, I'm going to be real, man. The people who God uses aren't the flashiest it's the ones who are most consistent. David was faithful day in and day. I'm sure there was days that David had a headache. Amen? On the, on the, by himself with sheep. They stink. I'm sure there's days that David got depressed. I'm sure there was days that things happened. But if you want to build a spiritual enthusiasm, build a strong foundation and be strong and immovable, then stop moving when every, time, every time something comes at you. The greatest people you will see that God uses, whether it's in the church or in the marketplace, are those who are just consistent. They're just consistent. Do you know how a huge rock can be shaped by a drip of water? You know how? The drip never stops. You could pour for an hour, pour a big, just, man, water hose that thing down. Yeah! And then come back, you know, two weeks later and do it again. Yeah! And nothing's really going to happen. But you let that drip happen day after day after day after day. And what happens? It changes it. It changes it. Same way, guys. In your walk with God, just be consistent. In serving God, just be consistent. I tell people all the time, I want to go into ministry. I want to go to Bible college. Don't go to Bible college. How about show up early, stay late, and ask the question, what can I do over and over again? And that's where God will find you and use you. God will not use you because you get a Bible degree. Because he can't fix inconsistency. Only you can fix that. Man, I'm preaching. Come on, y'all. I know I'm stepping on my own toes. I went through this yesterday. And I know for me in my own life, there's things i got to work on with consistency. Spiritual consistency. See, champions do daily what losers do occasionally. Did you get that? It's daily reading a passage of scripture. It's daily praying for a few minutes. It's not once a week reading a book of the Bible and praying for just an hour. It's the small things that happen. And that's how you build that. And that's what David did. I want to show you daily what David did. Daily what David did. Y- y- y'all still love me? Yeah. Sometimes the truth we need is the truth we don't like. I have a ministry coach and he challenged me on some things. I got the conversation. I didn't like it. I didn't. 
And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, you don't like it because you need it. And the very thing you don't want is the very thing that you need. And so many times, you know, that's what we, I didn't, I didn't like that. Well, you didn't like it because maybe you needed it. So I'm not sure who needed that. I still love y'all. So let's talk. Three things David did. Where did this enthusiasm come from? He trusted God daily, as we just said. He trusted God daily. He trusted him on an everyday basis with little things. And we have to be the same way. See, David tended sheep and had to fight lion, lions and bears. And every day he had to trust God on these small things. When we came into Goliath, he was ready because he trusted on a small level. Many of us want to believe God to do something great, but we won't believe God to do something small. What are you daily trusting God for? And as you continue to trust God, it builds your faith. Your faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you exercise it, guess what? The better it gets for you. He trusted God daily. Here's the second thing that David did. He walked with God daily. He walked with God daily. Now I want to read to you, and you all know this, you've heard it at a funeral that you've been at, um, is the 23rd Psalm. But I want you to watch and I want you to read the, listen to the 23rd Psalm in a different light. Listen to it with David knowing God intimately because that's where spiritual enthusiasm comes from. He says this in the New Living Translation. He says, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. See, some of y'all need to get up and quote this in the mornings just to build your faith. Even though, uh, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid. Why not? For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That is a declaration from a man that knew God. That walked with God daily. That when things came up, he didn't get shaken. Whoa, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, no, 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 no. I know the God that I serve. And here's the third thing that David did. He worshipped God daily. He trusted, he walked, and he worshipped God daily. He was a man that hungered for God's presence. You know, the thing is, in the church world, we have totally flipped church over. I made this statement for him. Somebody got, didn't understand it, and you shouldn't say, it's my job's not to feed you your full spiritual meal. If you wait to get to church on Sunday to get fed, it means you haven't eaten all week. You're spiritually malnourished. If we could have a picture of you spiritually, you'd be all, you know, just bones and coming in and, and malnourished. And you want me to give you a bunch of food and then send you back out. My job is to get you hungry for the presence of God and the word of God. So you go throughout the week and you begin to feast on the things of God. Amen. I had somebody get mad at me. He said, no, your job is to feed me. I said, man, you're going to die spiritually if you wait on me to feed you every week. And what happens if you miss a week of church? And that's what it comes with worship. If you're trying to get your worship on, and this is the only time you worship, people who say, well, I want longer and deep and really long, long worship for hours. You know what they're telling me? They don't worship at home. I get about 60 seconds in the back back there. Man, it's some fruitful time. But I don't need worship on Sundays. I don't need preaching on Sundays because I feast on the things of God throughout the week. David worshiped God daily. You see that? Take some time out of your schedule to hunger for God, to worship God, put on some Christian music and just begin to meditate on the things of God. And man, it's going to 
permeate your soul and it will change your life. It will create what we call in theos. Now here's the thing. We look at this, we're like, man, that's awesome what David did. I'm going to do that, Kevin. I'm excited. I'm going to build some in theos in my life. But I want you to watch this here. It seems easy, right? Just do these three things and it's easy. That's linear thinking. It's not easy. There were two seasons of David's life. And I want to look at those seasons because David, as a child and a kid, was super enthusiastic. But David, as an adult, was very apathetic toward the things of God. Now, I want you to look at the two seasons of David's life real quick. And the first one we see when he came against Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 48. I want you to look at the enthusiasm. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in his forehead. And then teenagers watched this. The stone sank into his head. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The Bible's not PG. I mean, it's not like you just hit him in the cartoon. He bounced off. Anyway, we didn't end there, you know. Use your imagination. Enthusiasm. He slayed the giant. It says, And Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. With Theos, he was enthusiastic with fire. But now let's fast forward to David as the king. I want you to watch this in 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. If you think about it, this is the end of a tragic season in his life. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. And he saw Bathsheba taking a shower on the roof of her house. See, David, as a kid, ran to the battle, didn't he? Enthusiastically. David, as a king, sent everybody else out and hung out on the roof. And he saw this woman bathing. It caught his eye. Lust of the eyes. He went after it. And you guys know the demise that happened to David. With enthusiasm as a kid, listen to this, David ran into the battle to serve his God. With enthusiasm, he ran to serve God as a kid. With apathy, watch this, David walked on the roof to serve his own comfort. And that's two seasons of his life. And we we think, I I, I could just preach the one and we'd be excited. But let's be honest. There are times in our walk with God that we do get apathetic, right? We get hurt. We get derailed. Life events happen. Our fires cool down for for the Lord. And we become more like David, the apathetic king, than David, the passionate kid. Let me ask you a question. How did a man with so much enthusiasm as a kid turn into an apathetic king? How did that happen? Let me ask you, where are you today? Do you remember a time when you were enthusiastic for the Lord? You couldn't wait to serve God. You couldn't wait to read the Bible. You couldn't wait to worship. Now you're like, man, it's a chore to do anything for God. It's a chore to have to come to church. It's a chore to have to read the Bible. Are you running into the battle with enthusiasm or are you on top of the roof saying, yeah, man, it's more about my pleasure. I mean, I I know they're going on a mission trip and they're feeding these kids and all that, but I need money to go eat out of Outback. I know that, you know, they're talking about serving kids ministry and spotlight junk. Churches do that stuff, man. I ain't got time for all that, man. It's about me. There's a time in my life when I was at a church plant, I didn't get paid a dollar to go to it. I wasn't the pastor. 
His wife was doing kids ministry every week, and I literally brought the TV with VHSs that went into the little TV for the kids. And I didn't have kids' curriculum. They had these really bad songs that just sang through the Psalms, and we tried to sing them. We didn't have curriculum, so I was making up games. I was making up Bible stories. I was a full-time college student. I had a youth ministry of 50 students. I worked two jobs. I never complained about going and doing kids' ministry because I was a kid with enthusiasm. And now when I look at myself, sometimes the things that I have to complain about that I do for God... Like for me, I feel like there's, there's things in my life. And I told my wife on this last night, I said, I feel like there's some areas we're up on the roof, as the singer said. I feel like there's areas in my life I'm up on the roof. Pray. Man, I ain't got time to pray. I got so much to do. Time to go seek after God and just really get into I've got to get this stuff done. And today, where are you at? Where would you say, are you the apathetic king or are you the enthusiastic kid? Listen to what Jesus says here to the church at Ephesus in the first century. Many of you guys know this in Revelation 2, 4. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you what had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. First, return to entheos. Return to spiritual enthusiasm for the things of God. Return to running into the battle. If you look at it now, what do you do? What do I do, Kevin? Do what you did. Jesus gave us the answer. Do what you did at first. What did you do at first? What did you do? How did you serve God? How did you approach the things of God? Then ask God to fill you with that spiritual enthusiasm again. See, after David sinned with Bathsheba, he got her pregnant. You guys know he killed her husband. He had her husband killed. So if you're thinking like, man, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad. No, compare yourself to David. None of you have done that that we know of, right? Not like, you're junior varsity at best. He's varsity. But don't you look at the beautiful thing. God sent Nathan the prophet to him. And Nathan comes to David during all this, and David's you know, doing his kingly thing. And he says, let me tell you a story, David, about some sheep and some shepherds and things like that. And he gives him this story that illustrates what he did to Uriah, what he did to Bathsheba of taking the one thing that Uriah had and taking his life. And David says, that man must be killed off with his head. Rah, rah, rah. And he says, hey, man, that man's you. You're pointing your, people who point their finger at everybody else are usually the ones who are most miserable. He says, that's you. Don't you watch the beauty in this? And David immediately began to repent and weep and come back. Do you know that that was God pursuing David? God didn't send Nathan to scold him and make him feel bad. God didn't send Nathan there to hurt him. God didn't send Nathan there. To, God hadn't sent me today to make you upset and preach a hard word to you. God pursues us. Jesus had a letter written to the church at Ephesus because he loved them and he wanted their greatest joy. And do you know today that God is pursuing you and God is speaking to you because he loves you. And the... Listen, the greatest amount of joy you'll ever have in your life is when you're living with entheos. Look what David wrote in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me, watch this, the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He was saying, God, give me entheos once again for you. 
That psalm was written right after he had sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan approached him. And he penned that psalm. What is your prayer today for Theos? Because I believe when you let the Lord fill you with spiritual enthusiasm, you'll change your home environment. You'll literally change your work environment. You literally will change the environments you walk into that have been changing you when you have spiritual enthusiasm. Because listen, as a child of God, whatever you do, you're doing it for the Lord and not for men. And nothing you do for God is useless. Amen. My prayer literally to yesterday and today, I just really took time to to pray for you guys is that I believe there's some people here today they're saying, God, I want to be the kid again that runs in the battle and will do whatever you call me to do. I don't want to be the king who hangs out on the roof to serve my own pleasure and comfort. So our prayer today is this, God, stir our affections. Stir our affections for you. Oh, God, stir our affections for you. I don't want to be a church that comes and just sings some songs and gathers. Man, my prayer is that, man, there's some life change in my life and in yours every time we get together, guys. And today, I believe if we get this and we let God speak to our hearts and we get spiritual enthusiasm, we can change things like Charlottesville. Amen. We can change the divides in Richmond. We can change the job. School teachers, you can change the environment that God is sending you into with these kids as a missionary when you're going back to school. I believe that. If you will, let's pray today. Father, we thank you that as Nathan came and intervened in the life of David, and Jesus had a letter written to the church at Ephesus, that you pursue us. You don't put us to the side. You're not mad at us us because we're living up on the roof, serving our own pleasures. You love us enough to know that our greatest joy is when we're loving you and serving you with all of our heart. God, we ask today in this place, if you need spiritual entheos today, if you need enthusiasm from the Lord, I want you to also take some time, Christians, to ask the Lord to do this for you. We ask today that you would stir our affections for you, stir our hearts for you. God, may we love you like we never have before. We pray today, God, that we could be a thermostat and not a thermometer, that, Lord, you would stir our affections to love you. I thank you, Lord, for this word picture in the life of David. God, intervene in all of our lives today. Intervene in all of our lives today. Fill us with passion for your kingdom. And as we're praying today, church, together, I want to take time to do this. Maybe you come in here today at Thrive and you know today is a day where God has pursued you and brought you here to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been teeter-tottering. Maybe you've been walking the fence. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. Fully surrendered to him as Lord. But today I believe that there's some people in here that God is calling you to receive him. For some of you to come back to him. You've walked 30,000 steps away, but you're ever only one step away. Today is your one step. If you want to give your life to Jesus and make that decision today, the greatest decision you ever make, there's nobody looking at you. This is between, this first step is between me, you, and God. And I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hand in the air and say, Kevin, that's me. If you want to make that decision today, one, two, three. If that's you, you will give your life to Jesus. Lift that hand high so I can see it between me and you and God. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Anybody else, man? That's me. That's me. Amen. 
right where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And God's going to fill you with theos today. Say, Father God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe I can't save myself. But I also believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross and rose again on the third day to save me from my sins. Today, I repent and I turn to Jesus as my Lord. I receive forgiveness of all my sins and I commit to love you, God, with all of my heart and the best of my ability. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, listen, someone today made a decision for the Lord. If you'll put your hands together. Amen. I believe that many of you today also ask God to fill you with entheos. So what I want to do enthusiastically is this song here says, open up the heavens. You can't muster spiritual enthusiasm. God's got to pour it in. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. As our worship team sings this song, I want you to sing and declare for God to pour out his spirit on you and give you enthusiasm, right? Amen. Let's worship. Amen.